Welcome to Relatable with Ash, where we talk about all things mindset, wellness, relationships, and empowerment. Okay, welcome back to Relatable. We're on episode 18, and this is date night number five. Today today we've got... um, We were just at the cafe. We we'd, we'd voted consciously, of course, um, for the first, first, the first time for the ever. first time ever, mm-hmm. and we we were at the cafe and we just doing our usual cafe chats and came up with all this stuff that we can talk about on the podcast. So my intention initially, at least for this podcast, was to talk about like conflict in relationship, but we had so much come up. Um, what's what's up? What's something that you're most passionate about that we talked about that you'd like to bring up? Because some of it is like kind of like fun, funny stuff, and some of it is. Yeah, it, well, I guess like we're, to go on to the the political end of things, it was interesting for the first time ever actually voting um, with some actual conscious conscious thought, uh, which is kind of embarrassing to say, and I actually admitted that to. Um, the class I was teaching my gel class this week as well, I was kind of just saying like, which is gel is called, it's pretty much pastoral care. It's a, it's a mental kind of process. So you get one period out of the day, three times a week where you get to, instead of just teaching the kids, you're mentoring them through how to essentially learn better. Um, and then there's also some basic life lessons that we tend to go through as well, whether it be like dealing with procrastination or maybe there's like mental health issues or whatever it might be. Um, and there's, 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 I follow like a, a, a structure to it. So usually on Mondays, I'll have mentor Mondays and I'll have one-on-ones with um, the kids that I get to um, have in that class. And then Wednesdays, it'll be what we have. I get a, a, I teach at a religious school. So we have chapel. And um, so half the lesson, I kind of check in with the kids and do the role and um, have a have a devotion, which is kind of like we take a passage from the Bible. Um, and then we, we pull it apart and then apply it to real life, um, which is pretty fun exercise, even though it's considered um, like a, a devout Christian or anything like that. It, it, I, I thoroughly enjoy the, the philosophical angle that you can go down with it and you can get some, some real good, I guess, wisdom from, from some of those passages and, and going through it with the kids and seeing how we can apply that to their day. And then on a Friday it, um, with the seniors, we have an academic study session where I let them have the whole period to, um, work on their assessments or whatever they've got going on. And the majority of the kids use that time wisely. Obviously, you're going to have some kids that don't. But on this Friday just passed, I took the opportunity to discuss the election coming up and I admitted to them that, yeah, this is the first time I've really taken the time to make sure that I was voting wisely. And I guess this is the first time ever I felt like the government has had a little bit too much control in my life with COVID just happening. And so I felt very strongly this year round um, with the way I was going to use my votes and, and putting some power back in my pocket. And so, yeah, admittedly and, and also pointed out to the kids embarrassed in, in some sense, obviously not that much, but 
embarrassed to say that I hadn't actually taken the time to really understand the voting process. And so I were, I walked through what I've, I've kind of learned and explained to them how we have a preferential voting system and how that system works and how I was tactically choosing um, certain parties. And I didn't go through the parties obviously with them, um, but just, in, in order to try and get an outcome that possibly could swing our way. But I think it's, it, it was to me, it was just important to explain to them how the preferential voting system worked. Um, and so in Australia, the way that works for us is so you've get, you get like a certain amount of um, allocations you can place your vote to. And the first, like the first thing you put your vote to is the party that you'll get um, your vote allocated to. But if that party doesn't win in the election, it'll move down to whoever next on your uh, voting preference list is will get your vote. And if they don't win the election, it'll move down the next run as well. And so it'll just keep moving down the run till the last person that you voted for receives your vote. And then if they don't make it in, they just get cancelled out. Well, it depends, right? So if you vote for like a, like a person who's an independent, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it might get cancelled out. But if you vote for someone like Greens, right, like on the last vote who has ties with Labor, then it's entirely possible that the Greens can, I don't know if it's like a cho- choice that they make, um, send their votes to Labor. Well, it, depend- it depends if they have enough seats in the House to get like, a full a full section of the house like mm, so yeah a representation so if if it uh, and then they'll get like a full section of the house of representatives i think is mm. is what happens but yeah so but whoever you pick last on your voting sheet actually matters which mm. a lot of people don't understand yeah. um because a lot of the time if you're voting for a smaller party like an independent but you have labor or liberal last on your voting sheet the chances of your independent getting in is very low. Mm-hmm. And if your votes eventually end up winding up, heading towards that Labour or Liberal that you put last, they'll just end up getting your vote anyway and Labour and Liberal win or whichever one. Mm-hmm. So I, I, like, I guess for the key for me was, is like I wanted to see if we could get some power to some independents. So I didn't put Labour or Liberal on anything. Mm-hmm. And I, I gave all my votes to independents, which we, we sifted through and kind of found the independence that suited our um, political spectrum mm-hmm. that we sit on. There's a, there's a lot of things to like think about as well. So by the time this comes out, people have already voted, but it is important to educate yourself. Like you have to take ownership and accountability of the fact that you're an adult now. Yes, they didn't teach you this in school. Yes, your parents didn't teach you this. So what are you going to do about it? And what world do you want for your children and your children's children and even yourself in the future? So we did Vote Compass, which is a, a website where you put in, you answer a bunch of questions about our country and our society, and then it puts you on an axis and shows you like which major political party you're closest to. But a lot of the questions were, you know, um, should we spend more or less on foreign aid and the military and, and things like that? Just stuff you don't actually think about and consider. So now we kind of have a broader perspective of, the world, I suppose. I mean, the way that Australia works. Um, I have no idea where I was going with that. 
Yeah, I agree. And also, like, we're still very novice in our oh, 100%. understanding of we the political system. Like overnight. Yeah, yeah. So we still got a lot to learn. And as as we said, like, this is the first time in like I'm I'm now 27. First time I've actually taken the time to care about who I was going to vote for. Mm-hmm. Um which is crazy but at the same time like I was actually discussing this with my grandmother who was kind of like just really honing in on and preaching about how kids need to understand this but I was kind of saying to her look I didn't care about it till now Mm. it's very unlikely that like high school students are even going to care about it especially when they don't even have to vote yet Mm. and once you do get to voting age it just feels so distant from you that like it just doesn't feel like you would have an impact and you don't involve you're not involved enough in the world to really have it in, in like impede on your life so you won't really want to engage in any kind of politics until you start earning enough money and you have enough influence or whatever it might be within your circles to actually genuinely care about what's happening Another problem is with, you know, the lack of care that I've had in the past, right, is I I haven't seen anything wrong with my society or I haven't realised that there's something I can do about it. So a great example, I'm getting a get political here, I suppose, is like um, terminations. Like that's something that I've been passionate about in the past, but I didn't realise that I could do something about it by learning how to vote and actually putting my vote towards um, a political party that might want to, um, you know, allow for easier access for terminations or like you name it. Like if there's something that you're so passionate about that you're willing to donate money to charity or you're willing to share it on social media and bag other people out about it, then it means you have the drive to educate yourself about voting. And that's the kind of stance that I took this year. I think you'd also be very surprised about like kids actually do have a lot of opinions that they've gotten from their family or just culture where they do have like a strong view about certain angles in 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 like ethics so like that is a, like they do care about the topics but yeah they just have like they don't have the want or the need yet um some some will but um, a lot, a lot don't. I don't know whether that's just like my perspective, but it seems, it seems like that. But it's interesting, like especially like on that topic, like abortions is a big thing for for uh, girls. Like they, they actually do think about that and um, consider it, which is like it's a taboo topic, especially for me because I like I work in a, a Christian school, so like that's something I would avoid even yeah. discussing. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, no, like they do have political and ethical ideas and strong views about certain things. So it's not like they don't actually care about what's going on in the world. Um, But yeah, for some reason, being a young person, you've just like, you've got so much life to live and you've got so much other things going on. Yeah, it's just like, you don't, you don't have a, a really good understanding of the world yet to even bother. Like, it's so funny. I was having a conversation at a party, um, my sister's party at a bowling alley recently, and I had this thought to myself while we we're all talking, and we were we were all discussing how crazy 
the renting crisis is right now. And while we're having that conversation in the background of my head, I was like, we're talking about rent and bills and like, how are we going to get in the housing market? And this is the most middle-aged conversation <laughs> of like, it's like we talk about that stuff all the time, but it's just like, as a young person, you don't even think about those things. Whereas now, like so much of our conversation dictates around what are we doing with our money and how are we going to make like smart financial decisions to move forward? And when you're having those conversations, there's all these moving parts that you don't need to consider as a young person that you have to consider now. And so much of that is actually influenced by how the government is deciding what to do about taxes or inflation that's occurring or interest rates even and our economy like where are they where are they putting the money like what are they doing to um allow our country to prosper on its own economically as well so there's so much to think about yeah 100 percent. and but having have once you get a sound understanding of just the basics of as an adult then you have enough awareness to actually decide what you're going to do politically. And that's, I guess, the whole principle of um, people getting red-pilled. Like, that's that's a common theme. Is like, as people, like, when they're young and they have all these, like, libertarian ideas and they're, they're very left-leaning and you're very progressive. And then as you get older and you re- understand the system and you know how it works, then you slowly understand the importance of, uh, right-wing ideology because you've you've now played the game and you you know how the game works and so you can you can swing it into your favor you feel like it's less less against you and it's it is just a system that you you can work to your advantage um, and people get red pilled in that sense and they want to conserve the ideas because you've worked out how it works Mm. and so that's the whole conservative principle like the the word conservative in itself means yeah it means to preserve preserve what is current and if you if you change too much everything goes into chaos because no one knows how to how to best the system or 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 at least survive within the system so it's important to have both sides because without without the progressive side um nothing would ever change and we wouldn't progress as a human race but if you allow, and which we're kind of living in right now, if you have too many progressive ideas happening at once, then everything becomes chaos because yeah. no one knows what's right and wrong. And so you need the conservatives to hold your morality. Well, that's what, that's what I was going to say. And I've said this on another podcast, not of my own, but of someone else's, that we, whatever we say here politically, it's, it's up for you to take, up to you to take what you want from it. We're not telling you how to vote. We need all kinds of people. We need the people who are super progressive socially and or economically. We need the people who are super conservative and um, it's socially and economically because it's what allows us to balance each other out, to balance our society out. It means that we we can have economic growth and we can have social like justice and and equality or or whatever that we need both all kinds of people so it's also interesting because I spoke this morning about how politics wasn't really allowed to be discussed in my household between my parents or I don't know if I wasn't allowed to ask questions that's how it felt anyway and 
that's not the kind of, you know, firstly household that we share, but the kind of world that I want to live in where we aren't allowed to discuss topics like that because that's how we learn from one another. And also allowing people to have ideas that differ from our own. If, you know, you don't have to allow certain people in your life if they're really like, I guess, mean and rude about, you know, topics. But just because someone's passionate about a certain value that they have doesn't mean that you can't allow them to be in your life, doesn't mean that they don't deserve to be heard. And I I just wanted to put that out there as well. Mm. No, it's, it's, it's very true. Yeah, it's interesting how your, your household, like, it's very common. Like people, uh, I think there was like three things you, you weren't allowed to discuss, probably. Politics, sex. Politics, sex, Money. and religion. Oh, fine. actually, yeah, sex. Well, sex is definitely on there, but it, that was more of like an unspoken rule. But it was definitely finances, politics, and religion was the three things you don't discuss with like people. Mm-hmm. That, that used to be a thing. Which we love talking about. <laughs> yeah, that's ex- <laughs> and, and for that exact reason, I love talking about all three of those things constantly. And there's so much power behind them, and that's why they don't want like people don't want to talk about them because it's the people are so far on opposite spectrum but when you do open up the floor to discussing those things then everyone can actually understand where everyone's coming from and you feel a lot more comfortable around people when you talk about like topics that aren't supposed to be discussed like your closest friends are your closest friends because you can discuss the things that others don't talk to you about Mm, um you value i suppose yeah, I, the one thing I was going to say um, with regards to like it's important to having people from all sides. I also feel like, um, and I don't know, I don't know whether this is just because maybe I'm, I've got like a tunnel vision in the world from just our, 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 like the way we sit in culture, but I feel like we don't hear much from the like more right leaning side as opposed to when we hear a lot from the left. Like the left seems to be a lot louder in society rather than the right. But I don't know. Like I I also feel like a conservative principle is to not speak like out of term. Yeah, conservative. Yeah. But I also have a theory behind that. So our the government structure, I'm wondering if the predominant government structure if it's more conservative leaning, if that means socially the progressives are going to be louder and then because they have, they want change. Right. Mm -hmm. But if the progressive side of things was in power, would perhaps the right wing conservative people be a bit more outspoken because they're like, no, we need this. We need change. Yeah. Uh, well, now that I think about it, I actually think like the progressive needs to be louder because the actual system that's in place is rigid. And so you can't like even if the pro- like a more progressive party is in power, like once you're in power, you realize how many things have to maintain its current course. Otherwise, everything just falls apart. And so you have to be really, really outspoken in order to like shift the because if you think of it like a huge ship you know i mean to to do to do a a right turn on a huge ship it takes some time um and so all the all of the gears are in place heading a certain direction in order to make that pivot it's quite difficult so all the 
all the workers, depending on what kind of ship you're running, um, all the workers have to be in communication with each other. They all have to do some certain things at a certain time in order to make the shift and try to avoid the iceberg, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. It was funny this morning. Chaz was Chaz was so out of it when we we went to vote and um he made a mistake on his voting paper. And so we had to go back and vote. And I was talking about how it's ridiculous. Like they make you use pencils, but they they can't give you an eraser to erase it out. So why don't they just give you pens? But that's a, that's a, just a fucking side note. <laughs> but then we went to the cafe this morning and uh can you can you just can we recreate the scenario of what you First of all, wind back to the ballot paper mistake. I make a mistake on my ballot paper and people like a lot all lined up again. And I choose like the line to line up and I wait and I wait like several people before I get to the lady where I'm like, hey, I made a mistake on my ballot paper. I, can I get a new one? And she goes, "Are you? did I see you last or you? which line were you in last? And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm just three over, but I just need a new ballot paper. And she's like, you have to go back to the person that you you originally got it from. I look over and there's like six or seven people in that line. I'm in front of this line. I'm like, really? That pissed me off so much. I couldn't believe. Like, just hand me the ballot paper, lady. Give me the ballot paper. Oh, God. I was really had that moment where I was just like. Am I going to kiss this bitch right now? Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) But definitely felt a lot of anger build. I kind of just like, I, like, I, I. I definitely looked very disappointed on my face. I felt I felt that like it was a struggle to to maintain composure because I just like I was already mad at myself for making a silly mistake. Mm-hmm. And then and then she told me I had to go line up for the third time to just give me a new sheet of paper that would have been so easy to get. But anyway, eventually got it done, got it right, and we went to the um coffee. the coffee Stop. shop and this is just like one of those classic human mistakes. But as uh, we lined up and I was kind of thinking about, oh, I'm hungry. Like maybe I should get something to eat. But normally we just get coffee and sit down and just have coffee together. But the girl kind of came around the corner and I, I, it took me by surprise because I was about to say, hello, how are you kind of thing. But she said it like as she was coming around the corner so fast. And so it was kind of like, she she says, hello, how are you? And I just go, hello. <laughs> and just like, look, <laughs> nothing out of my mouth made sense. And, and, then, and then he goes, and then he goes, hey, can I, can I get a cappuccino on the red cup in lactose-free milk? And she just acted so normal. And I was like, what the fuck did you just say? Yeah. Yeah. I like literally ordered a cappuccino on a cup, not in a cup. And I specified the color of the cup instead of the size as if I was just like on the spectrum struggling, could not drink out of any other color cup other than red. But yeah, she, she, she was like this Del Rosso, the customer service is so on point. Like, yeah, she didn't even but She was like, "Yes, this guy just can't speak." He she has- laughed when when you started. When I was laughing, she was like, "I don't know if I should laugh," uh-huh. and then you laughed, and then she was like, "Oh, okay, it's safe to laugh uh-huh. <laughs> at this stupid idiot." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely had like a, a big retard moment there. Yeah. 
Oh, man. And we all have those moments. So you can definitely tell when uh, you haven't had your coffee yet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that was a really funny way to start the morning. Uh, but we, I don't know, even know how we got onto the topic, but, you know, as we sat down, firstly, I want to jump to the reason why I love like doing this podcast with Chaz, but also have him on is because of our long, long term. We've always had those moments where whether it's a car ride to basketball or we're sitting in a coffee shop and we just are flowing with our conversation, having really enjoyable chats. And so that's why we do this really but um for some reason i brought up how middle-aged men um just let themselves go let themselves go but there's some there's actually a an a taboo unspoken expectation that their wives or partners maintain a certain image um so that you know they can be attracted to them but like men the men are so willing to let themselves go i remember how it started the conversation so i was checking my emails and i got an email and it was like for the guy who doesn't get laid and i was like what i don't remember signing up for something like this and it was like if you want to want to attract young sexy women like click this link kind of thing and i was like what the fuck and then we just started talking about how horrible marketing by the way like that like out of all the people that get it, they they chose a woman. Like there's something went wrong with an AI bot there, like a young yeah. woman. Yeah. <laughs> like that should have ended up in my email box, but no, they ended up in yours. It's so funny. They honestly needed some marketing assistance because those colors were off. They were oh. whack. I, sh- I should actually reach out to them. <laughs> oh. I feel like no one's running that page. No, but we were discussing how it's funny um, we've had experiences with ex-partners' families where the men in middle age have started having conversations with um, either young women that they work with or that they know or, like, you know, those Russian bride websites, those kinds of, like, possibly Instagrammers that aren't actually women, who knows? But we were just discussing how... What was it that you said? Men in middle age, a lot of men let themselves go. Their self-worth and self-esteem is so low that they reach out to these women because it kind of makes them feel better. Was that what you were saying? Yeah, I guess so in a sense. I don't know. It's also like it's interesting to see that as like part of the like human condition is dudes never stop being attracted to like attractive young females um which is like weird like it's a, it's, it's just like a evolution thing or like a, uh, a like a nature thing right like 20 year olds are always going to be super hot no matter what well, girls or guys um but yeah it's just like I, I i wasn't really stuck on that point like we were talking about that but i was i was kind of thinking about it's interesting how people let themselves go and and ashley was like I never, like, I, I, she, she was saying how it's, it's not fair that women have to like try and upkeep, but although I don't think a lot of the time like that they're all that successful at that once you have kids anyway, like it becomes very difficult to keep yourself in like great shape. Yeah. Um. 
However, I like I said to her, I, like I most certainly hold that perspective where I would expect my partner to keep themselves in reasonable shape and health because I value health so much. Like mm. to me, if you're not if you're not looking after yourself, then that goes against one of my key values in life. Like that's one hundred percent. You have to look after yourself. Um, and I like I was saying that with men, like. A lot of the time, and you probably see this with older generation more so than the newer generation because females work full-time jobs a lot of the time too. But especially with the guys, if you're doing the majority of the work, um, you you end up very exhausted. And so well, by the time you get home, you just gas down. <laughs> a lot of dudes crack a beer. Just they sit down, down. They watch the footy, whatever it is, right? Um, and they're just so cooked that a lot of the time they'll, They'll fall asleep on the couch kind of scenario, right? And that's they fall asleep on the couch, not because they're lazy, because they're they're tired and they've done like full-time work their whole entire life. Um but I was saying like I don't I don't hold that standard for Ashley um because I expect her to hold that standard. I have that standard for myself. Mm. And I wouldn't hold like I don't I would never hold anyone up to a certain standard that I wouldn't apply to m- me as well. Mm. And so that that view of like never letting yourself go, I would I only hold it because I hold it for me. Yeah. And I was saying that even if I got to the point where I'm exhausted and which like I go through midway through the school term every time now where I'm just absolutely gassed you know you want you want nothing more than it to all just come to a halt and give you some rest um but getting into the gym getting into that workout even though I might be angry I might be exhausted I just don't have time and it's seven o'clock at night by the time you get home you still haven't got your workout in. It's supposed to be like the one day I'm not draining. I still get in the gym and I'll bang out like even just a 30 minute workout. And even though you're exhausted, once you get that workout done, you feel so much better that now I have time for Ashley and energy to actually have like maybe a worthwhile conversation or two. I'm not going to lie. I still... I still conk out like pretty yeah. quick after that, but it removes that that stress and anguish that you carry throughout the day. That is like you you literally need that to reset your mind. Like you've and we've spoken about this before, but you've gone through so much stuff throughout the day and you haven't had the physical ability to work out the stress because you're in that like every now and then you're going to get in that fight or flight response. And if you're constantly choosing to be the better person in, in those moments, right? Like we, we can't actually have a physical response throughout the day. We have to mentally choose to work our way through our problems, but the body sees that as you constantly choosing the um, just the, I guess the panic enclosure angle and so you're you're suppressing all of your anxieties and you've never chosen the fight or the run. You've literally just shut everything down. Yeah. And so when you get home, you get to release it by or whenever you get to do your workout, you release it through physical movement and then you'll feel better. The best analogy is, you know, back in um, tribal times, 
when there was a lion around, you had you would make a choice, you, you know, fight or flight. Now in our current society, mostly our work and that kind of pressure is the lion. So if you see any time that you experience stress throughout the day, it's as if a lion is appearing in your like in your periphery and but you're choosing to just pretend like the lion doesn't exist that it's not there and so really what you need to do at the end of the day is and this is this probably speaks to also our values of health and fitness but you need to be able to run experience that like pretty much just what you said but I love the analogy of having the lion yeah and it's not that the like I I would probably put it like it's not that like, you're choosing to think that the line isn't there. The line is always there and you're having to deal with the anxiety of the line being there. Do you know what I mean? Like it's like being stalked by a line and you're always constantly aware the line's there, but you can't get away from it. Yeah. And then when you do do your workout, you've made your escape. And so now that anxiety has left you um, from like a physical standpoint. The other thing I was going to say in relation to that um there's like a saying and it's everything about smoking and taking a cigarette break is healthy other than the smoking because people who actually take smokers they take the time out of the day to go out into the sun they walk around they take some deep breaths they do some breathing even though you're doing it through a cigarette but you're you're, yeah you're literally like when you take that first puff of your cigarette you're literally just like taking that moment to suck in nice and deep and then you're breathing out and you're just you're literally there to experience the relaxation of your body calming and so if you can apply even the smoko principle however without the cigarette um that will that will do you a lot of good and de-stressing throughout the day as well um but yeah so back to letting yourself go i hold that high standard for myself and I make sure even when I'm just absolutely gassed and there's no time in the day, still get something in. And that way you can come to your relationship and be there for your partner and still be the super, super attractive person you want to be for each other. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. On on an emotional level as well, right? It It's so, and nobody wants to say this, but it's so unattractive to only ever see your partner just completely drained it's also sad it's also really sad to to you know like maybe and you've experienced this and I've experienced this as well like from each other to to come home you're excited you're happy to see them you haven't seen them in in ages it feels like you haven't seen them in days sometimes it is sometimes it well you physically see each other but like you just don't actually yeah, get to you get yeah thank you for that you were gonna say that you're you're switched off from each other and there's nothing more unattractive than when you get home and they've just got nothing for you like you might be excited to see them they come home and everything about them is going against the grain for what you are trying to maybe set up or what have you tried whatever your needs are that you might require from the relationship it's not just it's defeating to to be and I know that you've been this person where like you've been the excited one it's defeating to constantly try and meet your partner or whoever you're living with with this like excitement like 
I love you. I'm happy to see you. I'm, I'm like trying to, you know, lift things up. And they're just like, oh, I've had such a long day and blah, 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 verbal diarrhea. Yeah. It's like, and, and you don't do that, but you, you carry this energy that is so unlike you. And it, it's, it's really, it's sad to see. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, like, I've definitely been going through that a fair bit lately. And like, this is the hardest term of the year for me. So I'm, I'm constantly just like a shell of myself, like on some evenings. And so, yeah, I, I don't want to give the perspective that Ash and I are perfect because we're definitely not by any means. Like I've definitely several times like this week, I think like at one point in the morning, I was getting ready for work and I have to hold such a strict regiment in my morning in order to ensure that I can maintain a positive outlook throughout the day, just so uh, my interactions with all of the kids are as best as possible. Um, and I like, I genuinely really care about that, like how I how I come to work and how I can I can literally change everyone's day by ensuring that I'm there mentally and physically the best I can possibly be. And the difference from that and then being my exhausted self is astronomical. Like mm. your, your ideas come slow. The kids get like half-assed lessons. Um, you're quick to choose like a, a, almost reaction. yeah an emotional reaction and, and have more of a tyrannical approach to your behavior management rather than maybe in some scenarios turning the other cheek or finding like a resolution to the issue that might be more palatable for both parties and that way you can move forward and it doesn't remove a student from the class where um, they are now missing out on learning because they couldn't control their behavior but you couldn't come to a middle ground that worked for everyone mm -hmm. um, and so like you don't want to go through I well I definitely don't want to go throughout my days like that and so my morning routine is literally like I wake up I make myself a tea I do yoga I meditate for a bit um I have a coffee and then I do like 45 minutes of work before I go to school to prepare my mind for all the lessons that are coming up throughout the day and sometimes you might have five different lessons you have to teach all on different topics and so you wrap your head around what you're actually going to learn today. And that way you, you've got like a lot of ideas bouncing around in your head that you can rattle off while teaching the kids and bounce off and, and have fun with and make it lessons engaging. Um, but if I, like, if I don't do that, I'm, I'm, yeah, it's, it's the day is really hard, but it gets to the point sometimes. And right now I'm, uh, I'm, I'm coaching two different teams. I'm playing QSL four times in a week um and like you need that you need that self-care is what like it, it even relates to like the whole idea of letting yourself go the opposite of letting yourself go is taking care of yourself right but it's not even just like physically in in your body you you need to be doing activities that allow you to not just decompress after the day but prepare you for the day so that you're actually you know taking care of yourself when you can and and allowing you to be in that space of being to um withhold the relationships that you have like yes with the students but also like with your partner but sometimes it's not going to 
it's not going to be enough. You're not going to have that time. And that's okay. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly where I was trying to get to then is I was going to say like, uh, like a mo- one of the mornings this week, I sat down to like do my 45 minutes of work before I go to school to just like prepare myself. And like, I kind of just had that moment where I just felt like it was just all too much. And like, I literally, I, I, I cried. I, I, I just like, I, I had a tear come out of my eye. Cause I was like, I can't do this today. Um, I even feel sad thinking about it right now. Cause it's like, it's hard. Yeah. It's, it's, it's also, it's a lot of responsibility. Um, and you know, when you're passionate about something as well, like you, you want to be there in a certain way, it's really tough when you just cannot find the energy you're, and you're the type of person that, you know, you're like, I, I will, I will find the energy for this. And just sometimes you can't, your reserves are low and your, your battery's dead yeah. and, and as a partner in relationship, you have to be able to understand that. So I don't truly, and I will never truly understand what you go through in a work day, your mental processes, but actually your actual work day. Even if I was to, to ghost you all day on a ride along, I would never truly understand. And just seeing how you come home, being aware of, how you're feeling and seeing that on you, I have to step back a little bit. And although I do have needs that do deserve to be met, I have to understand and look at you and go, wow, okay. You know, you're, you're going through a lot. It's very difficult for you right now. And even in terms of a conflict that we had the other morning, although it was very upsetting to me, I I did have to step back and go, okay, well, I feel like this, but imagine how Chaz feels as well. Like my feelings are very valid, but, you know, he's going through so much right now that he's probably, he has no place to put or process any of the, the, the stress or emotions that he goes through each day. So your partner is going to take it out on you. Like you're the closest person to them, of course. Mm. And you, you have to, you have to be compassionate and forgiving and of course, there is the extreme, which we're not, that's not where we're going into, you know, that when it comes to like domestic violence, but um, yeah, being able to have that awareness of your partner and what they're going through is very important when it comes to conflict. And that's something that I wanted to talk about today too. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I like, sometimes I think that I, people have this perspective of me. They're like, wow, you like, you've got everything together. Like you do all these things, you have this routine um and like in my head i'm kind of thinking if i don't do these things this this train's coming off the tracks kind of thing like this is the only way i i i can possibly do falling apart Mm -hmm. um and like i guess that's like part of just being like a, a, a high performer um and like, that sounds like I'm being cocky, but it's just like, it just is what needs to be. And I don't like, I definitely do not think like I'm the smartest person in the world or the most capable. And I constantly question, like, I'm sure many of us do, like, do I have 
do I have what it takes? Am I, am I, like, I, I'll even think to myself, like, am I, am I just, am I not as smart as these other people around me? And do they just have something else that I don't have in order to, in order to get through these days better th- than the way I am? And like, I'm constantly looking for what could be the 1% difference that I could add to my routine that could make this a little bit easier. And I instinctively know when I say that to myself, that I'm probably doing everything I possibly can be doing already. Um, and if something new come up, it's, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to arise um, organically because I, I do instinctively search. Um, but in, in relation to what Ashley was just saying, and I wrote this down and she's not even aware of what I wrote down, but I wrote that this down before we started the podcast and, um, with stress and conflict in relation to how much your partner can handle, I wrote down the no resolution threshold. And so what that means is, and you've got to understand the signals, um, for your partner and how much load they might be under at a certain point in time. And for me, like with school, because it's a cyclic thing, like I'll go through peaks of stress that come in waves. Um, but maybe some other people have more like a consistent uh, view of their their routine and they, they can kind of see where the more stressful, stressful periods are going to come. Um, maybe they might happen less often or maybe you're just constantly under a certain amount of load all the time, which is pretty rough as well. But what that no res- resolution threshold means is sometimes we might have an issue that arises but I've got so much external stress happening that if we were to try and deal with that issue immediately, it would just break me because I don't have the room or capacity to actually dive through it properly. You know what it is too? It's almost like you have problem solving fatigue. Like you have so many, you don't even realize how many problems you are solving throughout the day or even in the morning when you first wake up, your brain is constantly problem solving. And so then you get to, you know, a conflict and you're like, I cannot handle this problem because it's, you know, there's so much emotion involved or it's, it's too new to me. I I can't, I can't solve this problem. Mm. But that is one of the keys to uh, resolving conflict, which is interesting is, you know, coming back, always coming back to the idea of, what is the solution here? And if your partner doesn't have the capacity to do that, then perhaps you need to think, okay, what's the solution here for me? And also give it time and space. If they're in a really, really high intense intensity, stressful state, then, you know, you need to give it time and space in order to, you know, resolve, resolve the conflict, I suppose. And something that I, I wrote down was, do you want to say something on that exact topic? I was going to, yeah. You can. Um, I was going to say, and this is actually what sparked the idea um, for the no re- resolution threshold was like, there's, I guess, a relationship challenge slash key that people kind of always point to and the the principle is never go to bed angry at each other right or resolve whatever problem 
Um, but I personally think, and we used to hold that value, but I now have moved away from that value, um, particularly as I've, as I've become busier. It's not actually plausible. And I think one a principle that holds truer than that idea, which is a fantastic idea if you have the capacity to deal with it immediately. But if you don't, the principle sleeping on it is a far better way to actually allow yourself to reset and then sleeping on a problem tends to always somehow give you a slightly better perspective of it. And it's kind of like, like if you've ever had the situation where let's say you get home, you're hungry and your partner says something to you. And if you try and deal with that moment before you eat food, that argument or whatever it might be is going to be far worse than if you just deal with your immediate human need to eat and then discuss the issue and that problem will be far far less bad than what it was before and it's the same with sleep if you're just gassed out in every direction and like if if the problem isn't be uh like if the problem can can be slept on and you deal with it the next day I, I, think, I think the stress levels will allow you to actually get through through it a little bit easier. Well, yeah. In the example that you gave, you do need to communicate that though. Like if you are ravenously hungry, that anything your partner says to you is going to be probably going to be an argument. You need to go, look, I'm, I'm so hungry right now. If we have this conversation, like I'm, I'm not going to be able to handle this conversation. Can I please just eat first? Or just let me eat first. And I used to say that to you in the mornings when you would just have so much energy when we'd be in the shower and I'm just like, I'm so tired and cranky. <laughs> I'm like, Chaz, I need a coffee before we have this conversation. Uh, like, please. It wasn't please. a bad conversation. It wasn't. You were, <laughs> I would just was not in the right state. And that's like, you just need to be able to, to do that, right? Um, part of it is also tone like the way that you say something so even in a even when you are stressed and angry if you are able to somewhat compose yourself then it, it's it's going to I guess avoid conflict as well mm-hmm. um, but again comes back to that awareness of you know if you say something in a and there's like a slightly aggressive tone in it I might take it personally or I can step back and go, okay, well, first of all, he's very hungry, but also he could be very stressed from today. I don't know what he went through today. So I'm just going to take a step back, take some deep breaths and not let that um, upset or aggravate me. Mm. Mm. Um, I guess along the lines of conflict as well, I guess I just talked about self-regulation, like grounding down and keeping calm and relaxing. Um, and also your choice of words is was important, something that I brought up, something that you don't really uh, focus on too much, I think. You're, you're very open in expressing exactly how you feel, which is okay. Um, and I have enough like awareness and self-awareness to try to not take it personally but sometimes when you do say something in a conflict um usually when you've had you've had too much you're like I'm done I'm this is too much for me um whether that's external stress or just in the moment is um I say to you 
okay, I'm starting to feel in a calm tone. I'm starting to feel really attacked right now. Mm. I'm not saying you're attacking me. This is bullshit. I'm saying I'm feeling attacked right now. I, I can't stay calm. I need 10 minutes. Mm. Give me, just give me 10 minutes. And then after the 10 minutes, we can come back and we can discuss it. Okay. Yeah. And then you respecting that. I, I respect that of myself. We go away. We do something that helps us regulate. So you might play Xbox, which sounds counterintuitive to me because Xbox just makes me stress when I play online. I probably more than likely go wash the dishes and put my headphones in and listen to a podcast. That too. Or you might play piano. I feel like, yeah, I don't know. I, I tend to, if I'm angry, get into like a bit of a cleaning frenzy. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah. Um, and then I will, I'll go have a cry most definitely. Um, I might journal a little bit just to vent, but also to see what other perspectives there are. And, you know, at the end of the 10 minutes coming back together, you know, discuss what we found on a slightly calmer level. If we've done, if we've done what we needed to do, then we can come to a solution. Um, and being able to constantly ask that question, like, okay, what, what's the shared solution here right now? Yeah, I guess like the whole time, like it takes you a while to get out of the mindset of like, she doesn't understand my point. She can't see it from my view. Why doesn't she get it? And you need like a fair few minutes to shift out of that mindset. And if you if you, if you have enough time go by eventually, because you both obviously care about each other, your mindset will slightly shift from that to thinking, oh, how is she seeing this? why is she actually feeling upset from this and you start to put yourself in their shoes mm. um, but it does require you to get out of that ego and 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 be able to step step out of the problem to see it from that and if you're in the heat of the battle um and especially like me personally like i i i like i love a good debate um and to a fault but to yeah to a fault and if if i'm if i'm angry because for some reason somehow ashley's hit a point a sore point and like this would never happen in just normal conversation it would have to be because i'm just like stressed out about about something and um she's she said something in a tone that's just like I don't know, made me feel unworthy or I'm not doing enough or whatever it might be. Oh, you're just taking it personally. And I've taken it, I've taken it personally. And then, and then I'm ready to, I'm ready to go to war. And, um, yeah. You dare defy me? Yeah, exactly. Like in in a sense, and I think a lot of people get into that is, is when, and is when you, some, it felt, it feels like someone has questioned your effort. Like for me, it's probably like an effort thing or um, question how like, hard I've, I've been working. Like for, that's, I think- that's currently, yeah. But even just your person, like your character, like are you questioning if I'm a good person? Like are you telling – what you're saying is implying that I'm a bad person. Yeah, exactly. I think that's like the nutshell of it. Like I, I – like For the, anyone. Well, I can't speak for everyone. But I can most certainly th- speak for for me in particular. It's it, are you questioning my personhood? Um, because I do do a lot of work to um, be a good person in my eyes, and so that 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 strikes deep with with me because I just and I would have 
so many angles in which I could just go down. And that is the curse of it, right? So you don't want to end up thinking a better person is able to step out of it and think, okay, how is this person seen the way I've behaved in this scenario and taken it the wrong way? And I can get there pretty good these days. Um, But definitely when as a teenager, oh God, I was horrible at that. Mm -hmm. And it took a long time for me to get good at that. Yeah, which I think is a normal um, teenager thing going through Oh, like all the hormones and but like, even you know. as a young adult if you're you just don't you don't try anything different if you're not you know trying to figure out how to communicate or you're just doing what you habitually saw your parents do then it's it's possibly not going to work mm. um something that i love to do and i've only really started doing it in the past couple arguments we've had which is technically over the past like six months to a year because we don't we don't get into heated heated conflict too often but um is firstly like letting you speak especially if you're the one that's slightly more emotional about the situation like allowing you to say like everything you need to say and trying personally for me not to take mental notes to use it as an argument like I'm not I don't want to take all these mental notes and and be like okay he's saying this to me right now and this is the counter argument I'm really letting you like I'm trying to understand what it is that you're feeling behind the what's the subtext behind these words and then also at the end um, of that acknowledging how you, you feel and validating your feelings and being able to go like like I not I can see that you're really upset, but like I I can't remember the exact words that I use in this one scenario I'm trying to recall from like many, many months ago. But I just acknowledge like I, I can yeah. So like I can see you're you're feeling this way. You've said you're feeling this way. And I know that this makes you feel this way. And I know that you're going through all of this and being, even being able to acknowledge the things that they're not acknowledging with their words. Like, I know you've got a lot on your plate right now. You know, you're trying to do X and you're trying to do Y and you try to do Z. And immediately that other person is first of all, going to feel seen and they're going to drop their walls a bit. Cause they're like, okay, this person is actually understanding partially where I'm at. And then from there, being able to calmly express, you know, and I understand that. And also, I, I'm, I'm feeling this way and I really would like to come to a solid, um, a solid ground. Like, where, how can we meet in the middle? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, that's actually such a good point. Um, there's no better way to break someone down than to... To, down. Yeah, to, to acknowledge all of the hard things that they're, they're going through. That might be contributing to their emotional reaction in that moment. Yeah, well, it doesn't, like, you. you oh, I feel like you could use that as a bit of a power cheat code for, for almost any scenario. Don't you dare use it to manipulate me. <laughs> <laughs> but even on the other end, which is a bit of emotional manipulation, like if you lay out all the hard things you're currently going mm. through, um, uh, but like, for instance, I had a, a work situation where someone had asked me to do this extra task that came in last minute and it came, it came in they're like, I need it by this time in like a couple of days. And I was so strung out doing all these other things. And I had like all this co- sport coordinating stuff that needed to be done. I replied back, look, I'm going to be hard pressed even coming close to getting that done. Um, 
can I like I'm doing mine on the weekend? Can I do it then? And they which came, is a compromise. which is a compromise. And they kind of came back tagging like higher ups into the email and kind of forcing the hand. And I replied back saying, literally listing out all the things I have on and just kind of identifying my capacity and, and showing them this, this, like, I, I, I don't have the time. However, I came to a compromise and they offered me a compromise as well. Um, with like, how about you just do this part and um, we'll, we'll be able to manage from there. Mm-hmm. And, and we were able to come to common ground. Um, but yeah, so in that scenario, they don't have no clue mm-hmm. what you're actual, actually going through. And they're probably under the pump themselves. Mm-hmm. And so like your, your reply that I may have given may have been offensive to them because they're like, well, I need this done because my boss is down my throat as well, mm-hmm. right? And not, not even considering you. Um, and then in my reply, I kind of put it in perspective for them. And then they also lightened up because they're like in their reply, they lightened up because they were like, oh, this person's also going through a lot as well. And you've got that commonality. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, a, yeah, I guess it's giving the, the, balancing it out with with we're both going through human experiences rather than just continuing continuing in that robotic work life precisely and that that comes down to yeah workplace relationships if you're emailing each other or even friends family and partners if you are contacting over text it no it removes the emotion and the humanness from it and so it's very easy to treat the other person like um like very uh directly and blankly and forgetting that they're a complex human being with all these other things that are going on so um yeah that was that was used to your advantage in that regard and it even as i'm getting older makes me want to just call people more than um messaging and you know that's not something that is always available in the workplace. I'm not sure, but um, I voice note people a lot more because they can hear the emotion conveyed behind my voice. They can hear my intention, like the subtext of what I'm trying to say. And to me, it's just such a much more beautiful way of being able to connect with people, whether that's on a good level or it's during conflict. I had had one more thing that I was going to discuss, but it hasn't really come up in a nice segue organically. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I was I was just discussing with my gel class or pastoral care class at school. And um, after one of the devotions we did, we were talking about um, happiness and, and, and how, how to foster happiness in your life and what things are important in order to... Um, be a happier person and I surveyed the class and I was like who has time or who has who has a something they do in their life that makes time feel like it flies by right who has that thing where they can do it sit down and all of a sudden three hours has just gone by and they lost themselves for a bit and I would say only a third, maybe a slightly less than a third of the class put their hand up. 
and could confidently say they had something like that. And some kids were like, oh, I really enjoy drawing. Some kids were like, I really enjoy um, music, creating music. Others were like, yeah, I've, I've recently fallen in love with basketball, which is awesome because I relate to that as well. Um, but then there was just so many kids that just literally had nothing that they could think of from the top of their head that they just loved doing. And I thought that was so sad because if like, obviously they're very young, but it's crazy to me that that isn't the biggest and, um, Oh, well, it, it should be. It should be. It should be your main goal, right? As a person, is to discover that thing. Um, and and it's it's sad to me that most people, and I'm I'm just like I'm sure as they get older they'll find something. But I feel like, and um, and this is just my intuition. I feel like most people go through their life not being able to find that thing, and the happiest people have that thing. Mm-hmm. And so I was talking about that with them and just saying like. Obviously, the key to do to finding that thing is trying lots and lots of different things. Mm-hmm. And we, we, I have spoken about a similar topic with them before because I, I was like, sometimes you you're going to try lots of things, and like the, the to start your way there, you have to list down. If you don't know what you do like, the best way to get there is identify the things you most certainly don't like. And that's that's the starting point, okay? So you know what you don't like. Mm-hmm. Now, stop doing those things, whatever they are, if you can. Obviously, we all have things we must adhere to in life sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, stop doing those things and start orientating to the things you kind of enjoy or you're just like, it brings you some sense of um, marginal, marginal improvement in your day. And then start trying other things and working out if you do like them or don't like it. like it's a, it's very simple concept but so many students are so scared to go out of their comfort zone or people in general yeah. to go out of their comfort zone to try anything and i was giving them suggestions i was like hey maybe your thing might even just be rock climbing you might get into like indoor rock climbing or you might get into bowling or you might get into writing or you might be like a math whiz and you haven't even realized how much you enjoy math because you think you're being forced to do or it. Like but knitting or yeah, you, you literally never know what it might be, but there's going to be something that for you will make time fly by. And I, 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 I honestly personally think that everyone um, comes to this earth and I guess this is something... I've taken away from the Christian ideology a bit, but I, I do think it holds true that everyone comes to the earth with some kind of talent that they're slightly better at than the rest of the people around them. Mm-hmm. Um, and you might like you, it might not not necessarily be as clear cut as that, but you've definitely got some talent in an area. You might not be the best exactly, but you you probably got like some something that you're good at. And I think sometimes a lot of the time our talents can go unseen because they're either not culturally valued um, or a lot of people do it. And or so we limit ourselves. Well, you, you might limit yourselves as well. But like the example I was discussing with um, one of my, my, basket, my basketball team, I coach on the way home um, from a basketball game was um, we were talking about talent and how I was saying that 
people don't look at the ability to play a sport as talent that is gifted to you that's different to other people because so like especially when you're an athlete and you play sport with lots of other athletes right um it just seems like a normal capability but when you think about it the vast majority of people can't like catch and throw a ball as well as like i might be able to right and that's a skill that i've obviously practiced but that's also a skill that i've instinctively picked up and been able to do and apply far better than the not like 90 percent of people Mm -hmm. and then like obviously the professionals they're like 99 percent of people right Mm -hmm. but that's a skill that i have that is unique to me in most circumstances and that's something that i can lose time in with basketball and i I should i should like i do foster and even though i might not be playing pro or anything like that it's something i do where i lose time and i've I've got that with music as well yeah i was just going to say and i'm thinking about this because i know many people that you know they say they want to they want to like try a new hobby or a new job and they just don't do it they find reasons not to and you know as a as a child it's much easier to pick up activities because you're way more open to it and as an adult your ideas and thinking can become very rigid and you're not stepping outside your comfort zone as often as you are when you're a kid and so there's a lot of things that you have to overcome not that it's hard to it's a simple choice but there's a lot of things you have to overcome as an adult to be able to find those things. It's as simple as going, right. So um, let's say I want to try baking. Mm. I want to see, give baking a go. Have I enjoyed baking in the past? Uh, Not entirely. Could I try to enjoy baking this time around? I could give it a go, but it, and you know, you can even have that, the baking's a, probably not a great example, but like you can feel that feeling coming up of like, and that doubt in your mind, that feeling of oh, I'm stepping outside my comfort zone. I'm not really sure I want to do it. Here are the reasons not to do it. And my biggest pointer to you is if you feel that discomfort, do it. That's the biggest thing that I've learned recently, like when it comes to ego and insecurity is when I feel that feeling up of like, oh, don't do that. What if, what if, the, what if people think this about it? Or, oh, what if it's going to cost too much money? I'm immediately like, that means I need to do it mm-hmm. because I need to be able to step out of my comfort zone if I'm going to continue to find things that bring me joy and bring me into that flow state. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess um, just as like a, a, a side note to kind of hone in my my point about like the talent thing that your talents m- might be going unseen even to yourself right and you don't and you don't realize they're a talent and i get that's also what i was telling the guys in my team i was like you don't realize that like being able to catch and throw a ball well is an unseen talent because it seems normal to you because you're surrounded by people who can do it Mm -hmm. however take a look at every referee that's ever refed a basketball game i guarantee you they tried to play that sport for a certain amount of time and they gave it a good crack but they couldn't they couldn't do it like you do it. And that's why you gravitated to playing and they gravitated to repping because they love the game too, but they couldn't play it at the level that it it allowed them to have some kind of success. 
Um, and like, obviously I'm generalizing, but I, I, I have seen a lot of people ref and I'm um, sorry, play basketball and then become refs who weren't very successful at basketball. And to me that, that must show a love for the game. Yeah. Um, but however, they just, they didn't have it like I, I did. Um, and then like, I've got friends who they've just got that that thing that's just like makes them a little bit better at the sport than I have. And I, I can't wrap my head around whatever that is um, because it just seems in built into them. And me and my closest friend, we like, he always brings up, well, like I, I put in hours and hours and hours and hours um, training to be this good is his perspective. Um, But like at the same time, I also think I put in just as probably many hours um, you know, we both had hoops at home. Um, but yeah, like I, I, my, my gut feeling is we've all got that thing that you're just going to be slightly better at Mm. and, um, you can hone in that skill. And, and even if you're not the best of the best, be the best you can be. Mm. Be willing to be bad at something to find out if you're good at something. Yeah. That's my biggest thing. Yeah, 100%. Well, I think we might end it there. That's a really good note to end it on. Um, Thank you for listening. If you listened all the way through, let us know if uh, there's something that stood out to you, um, something that triggered you even. I don't care. Tell me. Um, (laughs) uh, Coming up, I did want to mention that I do have – two free webinars coming up. So I've got one in June that's called Reclaim Your Strength and it's for people that have been labeled sensitive and um, empathic. And this is really good if in conflict you tend to um, empathize with the other person or you feel very strongly and then struggle to get out of your feelings. And then I also in July have a bigger one that's called Love, Sex and Magic. That's a three-day masterclass and it's all about you know, opening up to more self-love, but how to have stronger connections with your partner, friendships, um, and even opening up to find that like soulmate, if that's what you want to call it. So <laughs> I, I'm very passionate about that one. That one's a lot of fun. Um, but thank you for listening. Is there anything you want to say before we leave off? Uh, yeah, keep, keep hunting for that thing. Find your thing. Find your thing. Adios. Adios. Thank you so, so much for listening all the way through. If you'd like to support me and or you enjoy the content that I'm putting out, please, please let me know. Leave me a rating on Spotify. You can even DM me if you want particular podcast guests on or you want people back on. I've had a lot of requests for Chaz again. So yes, other than that, I hope you enjoy your day. I hope you took something from this podcast that can help you and I'll see you on the flip side. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's my new outro. <laughs> <laughs>